it's kind of like how you care about what you eat and you mm-hmm. really care when your pants don't fit. Very true. That's that's how it feels where it's like it should always be kind of something you're thinking about, but you don't feel a pain point until you feel a pain point. You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Coke, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Welcome back to Hiring School, the podcast all about hiring, recruiting, and team building for entrepreneurs. Today, we are chatting with accounting and finance expert, Shannon Weinstein. She is the host of an incredible podcast called Keep What You Earn. You've got to check it out. You'll learn so much about um, really everything it takes to run your business. But she's also the founder of Financials, where she provides CFO consulting services to entrepreneurs. And in this episode, we really dive into... When you know it, you're ready to hire from a financial lens, like what things should be, you be tracking and looking at um, and what things should you consider when you're starting to think about making a hire for your business? What I love so much about Shannon is she is such a great teacher. She makes everything so approachable and easy to understand. And if you're anything like me, finances, sometimes I like to put off until I have to think about it. I don't, it overwhelms me. It gives me all the different fields. And Shannon makes it seem so approachable and easy. So excited for you to dive in and listen in on this conversation. Shannon, welcome to hiring school. You're finally here. We did it. We did it. (laughs) Yes, we did. I'm so excited to be enrolled in hiring school right now. I know it's been fun. It's been really fun getting to to work together and and just partner and learn so much from each other as well. So, Mm -hmm. um, so excited to have you on the show today because so much of finances and, uh, are related to hiring and the people side of the business, right? Um, I joke. Well, it's not a joke. There's very few CFOs that I've actually enjoyed working with in my, my long career. Um, because a lot of times they don't always have like the, the people, the the same mindset on like how to build a people culture, right? Like you're really thinking about finances and stuff. Um, but you are somebody I think, or that I know is so different from that and have both like a holistic, how do we build a great team and a great place to be? And also, make money. Right. Um, and so it's been so fun to get to know you for that, for that reason. I really appreciate that because I, I've worked really hard to develop skills in a whole different slew of areas. I used to work in corporate and I was a leader in corporate and developing my leadership skills, developing my presence and things. I just happen to be technically trained in accounting, which is where a lot of my technical expertise comes in, but I don't think I would be like your typical accountant. If you were to close your eyes and picture somebody, they probably don't look or sound like me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. They definitely do not. No. Um, Well, can you give our listeners just a quick elevator pitch of your background and experience just so we they get to know a little bit about your background and who you are? Absolutely. So my name is Shannon Weinstein. I am a CPA. Uh, I'm also a fractional CFO and I help online entrepreneurs build their businesses and grow with confidence and keep more of what they earn. So What that means is delivering tax strategy services, thinking strategically about your money and financial strategy and cash flow forecasting, things like that, that will help you get to the next level in your business without having to stress out over the numbers. 
amazing. I mean, I feel like that's what every entrepreneur wants, right? Um, and it's also scary. I feel like for, I don't know if I'm sure there's other entrepreneurs listening to this who are like, the moment you have to start caring about your finances and your business is like, oh shit, this is a, this is a real business. Like this isn't just feeling out the waters of being an entrepreneur. And, and I guess, you know, you probably would say you should care about the numbers all the time, but it does feel like there's a moment in which it becomes like something that you're starting to pay attention to. It's kind of like how you care about what you eat and mm -hmm. you really care when your pants don't fit. Very true. That's, that's how it feels where it's like, it should always be kind of something you're thinking about, but you don't feel a pain point until you feel a pain point. So when you put on those jeans and you have to like, like squirm around on the couch and jump up and down to like get them to fit, that's usually too late. <laughs> right. right. Or that's where you have to correct things that have gone astray. So like, right. Usually most entrepreneurs will wait until they feel something or they feel a trigger of some kind to realize, Ooh, I'm going off on a detour here before they'll, they'll seek some type of correction. So that's why I always say like, it's always best to establish good habits from day one. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So talk to me a little bit about what, and tell the listeners what inspired you to start your own entrepreneurship journey and start your business. Because I couldn't stand other accountants. Um, <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> so I were, I've been working in accounting for, for my whole career, uh, even pre like high school, like help my dad out at his office. Um, the accounting profession is generally a very old school, like clinging on for dear life to two decades ago. Uh, and I really wanted, I was so motivated to bring modern solutions and client service focus to the profession because what has happened is, and I think you can relate to this too in kind of the, in almost the HR way is that we've as a profession in accounting thought that we sell information. So we, as an accounting profession in like the nineties and before got paid for the information we knew hmm. we got paid for information. Hmm. We got paid for being a walking encyclopedia of tax code. That meant you were highly valuable, but now we have Google. I can ask Alexa. I can ask literally my, my, uh, lamp, yeah. <laughs> I can ask my lamp about a tax code reference. <laughs> what year is this? Right. So I can, I can do these things. Like we have information at our fingertips. We have unlimited access to information. So if that's not the commodity anymore, what is, so what does an accountant do? And my opinion is an accountant is here to interpret coach you and help you through these decisions, financial decisions that will make a big difference in your business. And we don't do that through just tax code references. I'm here mm -hmm. to, to turn into the people translator of that information and to help you turn data into decisions. And I saw the profession is still clinging on to this, like hold and hoard information because that's what we sell. And I go, no, we sell transformation. Mm. We're supposed to sell yeah. transformation, not information. And that is why I started my business because I knew that in order for me to really pursue that mission, um, I needed to do my own thing and do it my way. So yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it's so true in your right. It, it, that is very similar to how the HR pro, um, profession is now as well. Um, they're even like chain their <laughs> HR professionals are like trying to, to recreate themselves and, and call themselves people operations or like, mm -hmm. you know, giving it a different name because, you're right. Like it's more about how do we have a conversation around these things? Not everything is black and white. So let's talk about it so that you can make the best decision 
based on a variety of things. And and that's really what you, you're you, you guys do for sure. Exactly. It's about empowering. Exactly. So tell us a little bit about the types of clients you work with. So I love, so for CFO services, I love working with, um, the, I call it like the light seven figure businesses to the heavy seven figure businesses. Uh, and we mostly in the seven figure business price range because of the time and fees that the service commands. And what we do is we are focused on optimizing everything. So one of my core values, and we've talked about this because you've actually helped me with this. One of my core values is that everything anchors to the client's goals. This is one thing that the profession is missing the mark on that mm. we really focus on. And we put, even put it in the three core values because just because something saves you money in taxes doesn't mean it is achieving any of your client's goals. So we have to look at what are the truly the goals of the client and how do we help them pursue that? Maybe their goal is to start a family, right? So then mm -hmm. as we're working with them as a CFO client, how can we help foster that? How can we help deliver that result somehow. Now I know we're not going to have a legitimate direct impact on that happening, mm -hmm. but I want them to feel like they can do that without stressing out over the dimension of stuff that we can influence. So that's really what, what we try to do with that service. Um, so CFO is like, you know, the end to end, the bookkeeping, um, and financial analysis reporting, cash flow forecasting. It's really having that financial arm and believe it or not, my job really turns into a coach. Cause I'm hmm. sitting there holding executives accountable, whipping out my whiteboard and going through, you know, forecast planning, talking about launches, talking about pricing. Um, it's a hybrid business coach and financial arm function. And it's actually yeah. the most fun I have. I think I that's the most say, fun. It's gotta be way more fun. Yeah. Than what you've done in the past for sure. Oh, totally. Because like in the past I would be, you know, forced into a corner to do my paperwork until I was like a 10 year you know, 10 year, uh, manager, and then you get to go talk to the client and then you get to go do this. Like there were, there were a lot of things holding you back yeah. and a lot of like pushing down to make sure that the person above you were, were shining. And in this case, it's really about just shining with your ideas, shining with your thoughts and how you're impacting the client and not letting rank or experience get in the way of that. So that's a big thing. And then of course, with tax strategy, that that's kind of self-explanatory. We're trying to minimize tax burden for entrepreneurs because uh, small business is the backbone of our economy, in my opinion. And if mm -hmm. more small businesses are keeping more of what they earn, then we're going to be a healthy, thriving economy. Yep. So uh, there's a bigger, broader mission to that type of service as well. That's amazing. So would love to dive in. Obviously, this podcast is all about team building, hiring, scaling through, yep. you know, people would love to know, you know, what are some well, I guess it's a two-part question. The first part of this question is going to be, what are some things overall that founders, CEOs, entrepreneurs should consider financially when they're deciding if they're ready to hire and grow a team? So there's louder dimensions of like, okay. you know, are you losing all your white space in your calendar? Are you, you know, busy? Do you like, you know, in your gut, you need to hire. And then the question becomes, can I afford to, and how much can I afford to hire someone for? Like, what should I be? What do I need to hire? <laughs> yeah. Um, and what can I is really the question. And I look at a few different things. The primary thing that I look at is cash flow. So if you don't already have a process in place, if you're thinking about growth and you're, in, you're a growth minded entrepreneur, you're in your growth stage, like you're go heading up the hill. Like you're not comfortable. You're like, I'm, I'm hustling. I'm pounding pavement going up, up the hill right now. 
then what I want you to do is have a cash flow forecast in your backpack because what you can do with that is for weeks, months, years, ideally not years, because how much could you really know into years into the future? But if you even just put together a six week or an eight week cash flow forecast for your business, you'll be able to predict how much cash you'll have in the bank, how much will be coming in, how much will be going out. And you can kind of see, well, if I were to hire someone, you can throw in a hypothetical and say, if I were to hire someone at, you know, $3,000 a month, $5,000 a month, $10,000 a month, what would that do to my cash flow? Mm -hmm. Would I have enough of a buffer? Can I afford to pay them out of my existing cash flow for the first 60 or 90 days? Because one thing I think that most people do is they assume I hired someone, I'm going to start earning money back, or I'm going to start getting a return yeah. on my time today, immediately. That doesn't usually happen. Usually it's training. You have to invest 60 to 90 days, maybe even six months yeah. to really cut to kind of losing money on that person. And that's the investment. And, you know, yeah. maybe they work out, maybe they don't, and that's a risk, but you have to be willing to invest in that person and training them up because that's where you're going to really get the ROI. But I think sure. that when you look at the financial side, a ca good cash flow forecast will help you get more comfortable with if I were to throw in this person at this dollar amount, what would it do to my business? Right. Right. What is the sweet spot? And maybe, it, I mean, I'm sure the answer to this is it depends of like, mm -hmm. you have your current cash flow, right? But you mm -hmm. know that you're maxed out and that you're not able to do the income producing activities. Like, is there a waiting yes. system of like, okay, yeah. well, how... It's I like know. a chicken and the egg thing, like a Rubik's yeah. cube where you're like, what do I move first to unlock the maze, right? So like, there's all these pieces in place, like, okay, but like, I'm too busy. I need to hire. I absolutely need to. The first thing I do is, okay, where can, what are you spending your time on? Right. Mm -hmm. So doing a time audit is essential. You've talked about this on the show. Oh, I know people you hate it when, but it, you, you have to you have to. Cause also, by the way, like in case you need motivation, time is a more precious resource than your money. Mm -hmm. You can replace your money. You can't replace your time. So that is a really, really value added activity. If you do that and you're aware of how you're spending your time. Um, one thing I've done, by the way, if you want to take a lighter approach to this is I color block my calendar with administrative internal networking and client meetings and like podcast stuff, because I want to see a rainbow of me doing a little bit of everything in a given week. I don't want to like ever see idea. it all one or all the other. Yeah. And then I can also monitor if like client meetings are dripping into my admin day or if things are sticking out because they're brightly colored. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yep. Hey, you made an exception today for that. Um, and I can kind of catch myself. So there are ways you can do it that work for you. That's a um, great idea. Yeah. And then the other part of that would be if you feel like you're just like against a wall and you have to hire someone and you don't have the cash flow, then you have to create the cash flow. And there's two things, two variables that go into cash flow, which is very obviously how much you're bringing in and how much is going out. Mm hmm cash flow. And I know that, that like, that's one piece of today's topic, right? Is like, well, what is cash flow and how do you improve it? Here's how you fix your cash flow. If you feel like you're up against a wall, you want to collect money faster and pay money slower, very simply. So even if you're like, Shannon, I can't just like create revenue out of thin air. I can't just create all this stuff. Like I need it to be sustainable. Okay, great. Well, what if you, do you offer payment plans? Yes. Okay, great. Could you 
change the payment plan options to be the 75% of the payment comes in in the first installment or more than 50% comes in so that you're collecting that money faster. Could you also, you know, maybe wait until your credit card bill is actually due, not every Friday or whatever. Like if you're like me, Enneagram threes, you try to pay your credit card bill to see a zero um, credit card balance. You could just wait until it's actually due. <laughs> you you get no reward for doing it sooner. I mean, sometimes you do, but yeah. Uh, and you can you can control your cash flow a little bit to hang on to your money a little bit longer, and reprioritize it towards things like team. Yeah. So there are ways that you can also cut costs. Look at your subscriptions. I mean, increase your prices to cover payment fees and things like that. There's all these little things you could do to help improve the cash flow over time. Amazing. So. When you're meeting with uh, or consulting with your clients, do you have a recommendation on if they hire a full-time or a part-time contractor? Obviously, you know, there's more than just financial considerations that go into that decision. But I guess I'm curious if you, is there like a, do you have any like mm -hmm. revenue marks that are like, okay, now between this mark and this mark, you can hire mm -hmm. a freelancer or a contractor between this mark and this mark, you're ready to potentially explore full time. Do you have any of those? Or is that anything that's even out there? Jackie, I wish, <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I right? wish it was that simple, right? Cause it depends on the role and right. it depends on like, are they, are they by your side in client service? Are they more administrative? Are they taking over a marketing arm or a financial arm? Are they, you know, what is their role? And we talked about this on one of my podcast episodes, which is how much control do you have with them? Like, are they going to be an employee versus contractor? Are they going to be full-time or part-time? Um, I just, I really look at, I go, I'm going to go back to this time audit thing and say, well, how many hours do you need mm -hmm. of them? So if you bring them on for full-time, are you able to fill their time? And also you probably are, and you know this too, that like when you hire somebody, you severely underestimate how much time you have like ready to give them. Yeah. Um, severely. Like I was going, I think I, I think I need like 10 hours a week and I was like up to 20 within a month. And I was like, Oh yeah, no, I have plenty of work to give here. <laughs> totally. Um, so you get, you start like dipping your toe in with like the part-time and then you realize, Oh no, I have way more I could give you. Yeah. I like the idea. I'd say in a vacuum, right? I like the idea of part-time because it also kind of forces you to track time and to know how long things take. Because if you say I need 20 hours a week, okay, now I know I'm starting to learn what 20 hours a week gets me, right? So now I have like a, a reference point and say, okay, 40 hours a week will get me more than that. But with 20 hours a week, it also kind of helps you see when are they working? When are they not working? Uh, how they can be more flexible and develop a routine around things and learn, you know, on a part-time basis, as opposed to full-time when... I mean, they're not going to learn any faster working 40 hours a week than 20 hours a week. It really comes with time, I think, too. Like yeah. if, if, in terms of my like my experience with clients, right? If you have a client service person who's getting to know the clients and like getting to know the work and the cycles and the process, they have to go through a certain number of repetitions. And for me, for example, they're going to go through a monthly process with me X number of times. Right. So right. like it's still going to take them three to six months whether they're right. working 40 or 20. So it depends on the role and the context of the, for sure. of the hire, for sure. For sure. And the role also can depend. There's some roles that lend themselves to being able to be done part-time. You know, yeah. there's a lot, there's other roles that 
and and usually when you're like looking to hire someone for the first time in a role and it's part-time, you're probably going to have a contractor or a freelancer first. Um, and there's certain types of functions in the business that are easier to outsource. I mean, that's essentially, I kind of think your first few hires, it's good to outsource something to create a process, right? Like we use the same social media um, yep. agency curate creative shout out um <laughs> yeah kaylee but, um yeah you know i think having them has helped me create just a process now that that's how i do social media so yeah, that if yeah, i ever like, do hire someone full-time i have a framework me. i have a process yeah. i have sops now because kaylee does kaylee runs such a, a tight system that i'm like now this is my expectation of how it should always be and now mm -hmm. i have a rubric to follow that's so true because you can borrow from other experts who have right. already done this for like a dozen other clients and they can be like let me install you into my system and then you'll learn my system and then like let's say you want to hire someone full-time to manage your social in the future you have the framework already. Exactly. I think that's a great point. Yeah. Um, and I just think that's so good, especially if you're 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 leaning into stuff that you don't have any idea about. Like mm -hmm. I can post on social media on my own, but I don't know how to do it for a business, you know? So it, yeah, that's exactly. been so helpful for me. Okay. So then would love to talk a little bit about payroll taxes. Oh yeah, and fun. Remote <laughs> this is where work. everyone turns off the podcast. I know, <laughs> I know. But I do think there is something to be said. You know, obviously there's a lot of remote work happening in the world and yep. everyone's like, oh, they we're going to be a remote first company. They can work anywhere. And um, it's not always the case or it is always the case. However, there's some things that you should know about. And yep. um. I guess I am curious from like a payroll, I I guess I'll, I'll, I'll leave it to you, like thoughts on any of that. And then I'm sure I'll have stuff to dive into. Yeah, totally. So like one of the most overwhelming topics is when you get to that point where you're going through like business puberty, you're growing and you're like, okay, I have to grow. I have to hire people. I have to hire an employee. When you realize that the person you're hiring is an employee and for the first time ever, you have to know that like your response, you're now an employer. Like you just became like a business parent, mm -hmm. right? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like I am responsible for someone's livelihood. I have to write them a paycheck. They make money off of me. This is terrifying, right? Um, it's terrifying and so gratifying all at the same time to know that like you're responsible for someone's like pay to take care of their family. That's massive impact. Um, but also a ton of pressure for a brand new business owner. Mm -hmm. So, so one of the things that it, it's actually way simpler than you think, if you know the rules, which very few people do, understandably. Uh, but when you when you try to look at all of it and like think about everything you have to do, it's very overwhelming. But if you really bring it down, when you're paying an employee, you're just really responsible for running it through a payroll service. And it is 2022. If anyone is doing manual payroll, just stop right now and just enroll in my favorite, which is Gusto mm -hmm. or any other payroll provider because, oh my God, they make your life so much easier. <laughs> Um, it's literally click, click, click pay. It's right. so much easier than running it manually. You do not have to do any crazy math with these people. No, no, I would agree. I think Gusto is a great one. And they are coming out with a lot, even more tools, but Gusto is an amazing yeah. tool. Um, and I agree, like you should be using a modern tool for sure. And they yeah. do the calculating for you, yeah. but you have to know that you have to register your state, your business in the state in which the employee is working. 
Yeah. So think about it this way. Like we've all been employees. So I want you to like go back to when you got your paycheck, right? And think about what happened. Well, you got paid, but they took out federal income taxes. They took out state income taxes. If you're one of the lucky people who's in a state with high income taxes. Uh, and then they take out other things like FICA, FUTA, all these fun acronyms, which is really social security, Medicare, AKA payroll taxes. So they're taking out income taxes and payroll taxes from your paycheck, which is why you mm -hmm. never got paid what you really made. Like yeah. you could make a hundred K salary, but it's like, oh, I got really 70 K after taxes, yep. et cetera, et cetera. So because they take these taxes out, what the payroll company does is they with withhold, they take that, those, those amounts and they set them aside and then they remit them to the federal and the state governments for you as the business owner. So it's taken out of the paycheck. It's submitted to the government. Um, and then you as the employer, what you may not realize is you as the employer are subject to your half of the payroll taxes. The employee pays 7.65% 7, 7 and you pay 7.65% on their salary. So whatever you pay them, add 7.65% to know what really their payroll is going to cost you. That is one thing that they that most people don't realize is you want to add that 7, 7.5%, 7 7.65% to your uh, estimate of what you're going to pay them because that's what it will cost you to hire someone. This is also why a lot of people are avoiding hiring employees and trying to hire contractors because there's just uh, they don't want to pay the payroll taxes. Mm -hmm. So there's an extra 7.65% of a cost to you as an employer for bringing on an employee. Yeah. And, um, and then what happens is like, let's say it's gusto, right? Your payroll provider will compute those taxes, take that out and also pay it to the state and fed, you know, whoever uh, you need to pay, pay that to. And really it's all taken care of. Like they do the math, they move the money for you. You give them permission to withhold the money and they give you all the reports and tax filings. You also have to file payroll taxes every quarter showing how much you paid in wages and how much you paid for all the taxes. But again, if you have a software tool, something that's a little more automated, they, they, a, they do all the filings for you, but B, if you were to look at the filings, they're all based on reports that you can get directly out of the platform. So and they also do, and I'm just like, I'm not sponsored by Gusto, by the way, but I do love them. And what I love about them is I can email their tax uh, support. So if there's ever an issue, they will help you with support. So they'll, they'll like, oh yeah, let's look into this. Like if you got a notice about your payroll tax, I can forward that to Gusto and they'll say, oh yeah, we'll look into this and give you a, you know, the yeah. next steps advice. So you never feel like you're on your own when you have some type of service provider helping you with that. Yeah, for sure. So Okay. So I, th I do think it's interesting because I've had a couple clients that we use Gusto and they, they, they were just unaware of this. And so I think it's a really great education topic of how often are taxes filed on behalf of your company? Like, is mm. it monthly? And I guess it, I think it depends on the state, but it depends. I guess when, should should people put on their calendars to double check it's being done? What happens if mm -hmm. it's not being done? So you should be, and this this gets into the the cash flow forecasting a little bit because we try to put those in as planned. So if the forecast doesn't look like what actually happened, we'll go, hmm, what didn't happen, right? Like so you can catch it on the back end. Um, has it happened where someone has like the pay the taxes didn't get paid by the provider? Is that what you mean? I do know someone it's happened to, not 
who mm-hmm. was using Gusto or a tool that, that we okay. use, but I do know somebody who, who that happened to. I was going to say, I've never heard that happen in one of the tools I've used. Um, but if it did, they would correct it and yeah. fix it. And any penalties you got, they would probably cover. I can't speak on behalf of them, but they're so good with customer service that I assume that if they ever made a mistake, they would own that. They would own that yeah. wholeheartedly. But, um, no, I think that like when it comes to monitoring, my recommendations would be that. So first of all, if you're using something like Gusto, Gusto inundates me with emails, like time to run payroll, time to run payroll. You just ran a payroll. You just ran a payroll. Like it, it tells you <laughs> very oh, frequently. you're thinking about payroll. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it, they will email you a lot. Right. Um, but in a good way, because they'll say, they'll say, Hey, it's about time to run payroll. Start thinking about preparing your payroll. And then they'll say, Hey, run payroll by end of day today to pay on time. And then, Hey, you just ran payroll. Here's when your employees will get paid. I like that because it's reassuring, but also they give you all these reminders because, you know, if something doesn't happen or like you forget, right? Like there's no excuse. They're, they're sending you all these emails, right? So it it helps to ensure the process runs smoothly. Right. And I do think it's important to know, you know, if you're using an outside accounting firm or something and you're, you're doing things, not using a modern platform like this, and maybe the accounting firm isn't, you know, they do file your payroll taxes. Most of the time it's quarterly. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say typically it's quarterly. At yeah, least federal's quarterly federal's for the most part. Quarterly. Like filing the returns, yes. Yeah. Paying the taxes could be quarterly, could be monthly. Yeah. Um, but my with when it comes to like, for example, Gusto, they take the money out. You never see that money. So like right. it's already taken out. So they just have to go pay it. Right. Um, and they hold it in a and they hold it or in, whatever. Exactly. Um, but you should just know that whenever you are hiring somebody in a new state, you do need to pay regular taxes um, to the state for that. And so you should double check that mm-hmm. that's being done. Um, yeah. And, you have to you register. Know, I, I've definitely had people I know because, you know, friends, so many of our friends are entrepreneurs and they'll like, Hey, I got this in the mail from the state of blah, blah, blah. Is it legit? And I'll read it. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't look like maybe, maybe your accounting company didn't pay, pay the state taxes or, or what, what have you. And so it's just good to know that mm-hmm. that needs to happen. If you get something like that in the mail, that's likely what it is. So, so here's a, a rule to follow if you don't know this and it's, I'm speaking to listeners, obviously, you know, this, um, but you pay income tax where you work. So if, if I, I live in Connecticut, right? I would say you live in Arizona, but you, right now you live all over the place this summer. <laughs> I'm <laughs> currently in Wisconsin, currently but I live Wisconsin. in Arizona. Right. So if, well, so that's te- a good thing to talk about. Right. So when technically, you- right. So technically where, wherever you are is when you should be earning your income. So if I'm in Connecticut, I'm earning income tax in Connecticut. Now this actually happened to me. I worked for, I'll use my, my use case. I worked for a company that was in Boston and I lived in Boston middle halfway through the year. I moved to Connecticut, but I worked remote for the company. So I was making income in Massachusetts and paying Massachusetts taxes. Then what happened was I moved to Connecticut. I filed properly filed my, um, cause I would be mad at myself for not doing this. Right. I probably filed my Connecticut withholding. They did not process it. So they kept withholding Massachusetts taxes while I lived in Connecticut. And what should happen is they should be withholding Connecticut taxes. Connecticut wants its share of the money. Like as long as I'm sitting here, they want their share of the money. So what happened was I ended up getting a refund from Mass. I ended up owing Connecticut for about the same amount of money. Totally fine. But remember that you're supposed to be paying income taxes in the state where you are, where you physically are. So 
if your employee is in Florida, well, Florida is a bad example, no income tax. If your employee is in Georgia, then you need to register as an employer in Georgia and be registered to pay those taxes so that they know who you are, who's paying it. You basically have to say, hey, I got an employee in Georgia, just letting you know, hey guys, I'm an employer here. Um, I'm going to be using your system to pay my employee. You guys cool? Okay. Mm -hmm. Here's your share of the income taxes that you're going to get out of my bank account because they work here. And it's really no big deal. You just have to register in these states and let them know that you're going to be paying uh, wages in that state and then you're good to go. So it's, it's really a pretty easy process. I can register people in a state. I do this all the time. I can register them in usually under 20 minutes, unless Ugh. they're, unless their systems don't unless talk to each New other. York. Unless it's New York <laughs> or California, because they have three different tax authorities mm -hmm. that do not talk to each other. Like mm -hmm. you have to register with the I EDD know. and the, yeah, the uh, whole thing. So I think it's important to share too. It's like when the employee moves there permanently, like if they're on mm -hmm. a two week vacation. Yeah. That you don't have to worry about that, but it's when they're living there. When your tax home changes, especially, but, um, so this is going to sound funny, but like when I was at EY, right. I was worked at, worked at EY, which is a big four firm. Um, I would have to file, I'm not kidding, 13 to 14 state returns every year because I would work for two weeks here, two weeks there, three weeks here, three weeks there. I worked mm. all the way up and down the East coast and I was traveling every single week and, um, I wasn't doing my own taxes at the time. So my poor, you know, family friend who was doing them was like, you've got to be kidding me. That's um, crazy. So we had to file well, in like 14 states. It does also kind of bring up an interesting point, which I mean, I don't know enough about this to do a full podcast, but mm -hmm. some states, if you, at least I know in California, if you're, if you have drivers, like let's say you have truck drivers for some, mm -hmm. some uh, for your business and they cross over county lines, oh yeah, they have to follow the county's laws that they're in for the time in which they're working in the, these counties. So like mm -hmm. that just gets so hard to keep track of because wage yeah. and hour laws are different. Like some counties you have to pay mm -hmm. one minimum wage and then a different county, it's actually higher. And so like, you actually have to know that stuff, which is wild. Yeah. And before, before our listeners go down a rabbit hole of like, oh my God, I never want to hire an employee because this I is know, so complicated. So true. Um, before we go down that path, here's the other thing. At a certain point though, like, this is my belief. And this is the belief of everyone I've talked to at state agencies. At a certain point, it's not worth the trouble to get it exactly 100% right 100% of the time. There's a bit of an understanding that this is complicated. You know, I, I use this phrase called like directionally correct. Like we're directionally correct. Like you, you worked in this company for this many hours in this state and you lived here at the time. You really worked here the whole time. You just happened to be driving somewhere else while you picked up the phone, like that doesn't trigger anything. You know right. what I mean? So there's kind of this, like, I, we call it materiality in the accounting world to say like, it's immaterial, meaning it's not significant enough where it should impact your behavior or the outcome or the level of effort you'll put into getting this exactly perfectly right. My, my thought is as long as the States are happy, <laughs> like you're working in these different States, it makes sense. The story lines up and everyone's getting their, their fair shake at the, the taxes. Um, we just look at the big picture holistically and say, yes, this makes sense as your, you know, payroll tax situation or your income tax situation. Um, but like the fact like driving across County lines right. and stuff like that, it's just like, oh, that's just, it's not worth it for it's sure. Not, it's just not worth the trouble of figuring out if they're driving through for 10 minutes and doing the math on like, well, how much money did they make while they were driving down that highway? Right. That makes my head hurt. Yeah. You do have to just <laughs> know 
I guess, do what you can <laughs> like, and, and have the right people to ask the questions too, I guess. Is yeah, also it's, it's a, more a, of an awareness of how things can impact. I think that's what I want you to take away from this is like, just know that like the whole story is part of the, is the, the whole story matters. Right. So telling your accountant, telling your lawyer, telling whoever it is that you're, that's advising you about like, okay, this is what happened. And then letting them go, okay, then this is what I consider the significant parts of that. And this is what I think we should do uh, because there's a ton of judgment that goes into what we do. Mm-hmm. It's not always black and white and by the book because right. even states will not follow their own tax law because truly processing the paperwork is more trouble than the tax they would actually gain. So they're actually losing hmm. money by paying employees to process like a five cent tax that you owe them. They're like, right, screw it. We don't care. Like they, they're human. They'll go, I don't care if you do that or not. You know, like it, that makes it really me feel better. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> they don't really, most of them don't. I would say like New York and California are my like asterisks on that where I'm like, I, you never know with them. Right. But there are most states, I think the folks who are listening to this, who, who just, you know, they're dipping into hiring and entrepreneurship, this should not stress you out. This is really not a big deal. And not to mention not getting it right is not the end of the world. No one's going to jail. Exactly. If you get this completely wrong, the worst case scenario is that someone tells you how to correct it, fixes it, and that maybe you owe a little bit in taxes as a result. Like, and you, and you pay what you owe. And there's just really no like serious consequences, unless you are completely evading for years and years and years paying the proper payroll taxes. If you're not paying payroll taxes for years and you're you're like actively evading, then we have a problem. But like if you're not in that ballpark and you're trying your best, you know, there's the worst case scenario is really not that bad. Yeah. And I just think it's good to know the overall way that something works just so you as a business owner kind of understand like, oh, this is how this works. Then this happens. So you know the basic you have a basic understanding of how things work in all aspects of your business. I don't think that you can be a successful business owner and just have blinders on to the things you don't like, right? Like you can't just not learn about it if, because it's scary or you don't like it. Like you at least just need a general understanding for sure. And so Mm -hmm. hopefully that's what we've given them today for sure. Exactly. Or you'll keep yourself small. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to put a ceiling on top of your business saying, well, I never want to deal with that. This sounds like a nightmare. Well, if you never deal with hiring an employee, then you're really going to be capped at a certain income level, certain, and your expenses are just going to go up. And eventually mm-hmm. you will kind of like the Titanic basement, um, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. it will not go well. So you want to make sure that you, uh, you really take control of that and, and just kind of, I mean, embrace the growth and all the challenges that come with it. Well, one thing I love about the the stuff you put into the world, the content, the podcast, everything is you make all of the finance stuff digestible and fun and not as scary and overwhelming. Um, and so I'm so grateful for that. Um, but I would love for you to tell fellow listeners how they can also learn from you and stay in the know on some of these things that um, I think oftentimes, frankly, we avoid because we don't either want to know it or it feels like we're not good at it. So I'm just not going to learn it. Um, But the way you, you educate on this stuff is so, so helpful. So how can people follow along with what you're up to? So I really appreciate that because that's part of my mission. And my podcast is called Keep What You Earn. Um, It's on Apple, Google, and Spotify. So if you're listening to this, it should be accompanying hiring school in your library uh, as a nice supplement. And you'll hear Jackie on a couple episodes of my Mm -hmm. show as well. Uh, But 
uh, I would say that's where you can find most of my content. You can also follow me on Instagram. I'm at Shannon K. Weinstein. I love uh, posting things that, that can be kind of funny, very approachable, using analogies that are super relatable because what I call my podcast is the judgment and jargon-free zone. So like not judging you, meeting you where you're at and going through these concepts in an approachable way so that my goal is that you understand them, not that I sound smart. Yeah. Uh, well, you do a great job at that. Thank you. Um, and you know what I haven't seen on your social lately? What? My the puppet. puppet. <laughs> <laughs> I know she is. Uh, she's chilling in the office over there. Uh, been super busy with with the CFO stuff and travel planning and launching um, that I have taken a, a break from playing with the puppet. So what Jackie's talking about is I have a puppet that looks exactly <laughs> like me, a professionally made puppet. And I was thinking about this the other day. I need to bring her back out because I need her to make some more reels. Uh, has been one of the most fun things. And there was like minimal strategy to it. It was truly like, how can I create reels without having to put up, put makeup on or get dressed? That's a great idea. I, well, I <laughs> it love awesome. it. And it's so on brand for you. So I miss I do. her. I, um, I will bring her back for allow sure. Allow her so. to stop crunching numbers in the back and come and play. <laughs> yeah. She's actually sitting across. This is going to sound so corny. She's sitting across, like, you know how you have a desk in an office and like, there's a chair for the client to sit in across the desk. She sits there. Like she's my, my client in an appointment. It looks really funny. Cause she looks like she's, they see this little head sitting there in the chair, That's um, amazing. but yeah, she'll be coming back soon. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Shannon, for being on the show. I'm sure we will do many more interviews to come. Um, so thank you again. Um, and thank you to all the listeners for tuning in to today's episode with Shannon. Oh, do you want to give them your website that they can come to? Yeah. Well, it my my company. Oh, it'll all be in the it'll all be in the it'll show be in the show notes. notes. It'll Check be in the, the show, show notes. notes. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, you just offer so many great things. Um, (laughs) So again, thanks all for tuning in. Make sure to follow us at Hiring School on Apple Podcasts and make sure you check out our new website, hiringschool.com. You'll get information about the podcast as well as um, access to enroll in our first ever course all about hiring. It's Hiring School, the course. So check it out. And please do me a favor and rate and review this podcast episode on Apple Podcasts. It's the best and and most um, easiest way for us to grow and help more entrepreneurs like you. So thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week. If you're not driving, stop and take a moment to share this episode with someone who you thought about while listening. Share it with your team to show them you're committed to their growth. Share it with a fellow business owner in your network who you know will be moved by the message. Heck, share it with your mother, your brother, your sister, or your cousin. Your support in growing the show means the world to me.